0: Hello, my rebels. Today, I make the case that the uh, pandemic's over. It's just over. Uh, The health scare is over. Uh, The actual death toll, unfortunately, in the thousands, it's in great decline. And 82% of the deaths, well, they were people in old folks' homes, which doesn't make it any less tragic. But it shows that this maybe wasn't quite a general pandemic, but a problem with a few key institutions. I'll make my case for why we're done and should just go back to normal now. Hey, before I do, can I invite you to become a premium subscriber? Go to rebelnews.com and click on subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get access to the video version of the show, plus a couple other shows we do every week, and it supports us. We don't take a dime from Trudeau. Okay, here's today's monologue. Tonight, I think the pandemic's over. I'll make my case. It's May 8th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon are consumer right? I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government is why i publish because it's my bloody right to do so. Interesting story in the Toronto Star today. of Canada's COVID-19 deaths have been in long-term care, new data reveals. Pretty much says it all. Sure, the virus was the killer, but an essential factor was the institutions. What was it about them? People cooped up indoors? I don't know. Cheap foreign laborers brought in to work there without proper hygiene, maybe, working many odd jobs at different facilities, just to cobble together enough money to live on in the expensive cities. So the health staff became super spreaders themselves. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have proper face masks because Trudeau shipped them all to China in February. It bears investigation, don't you think? These questions should be answered, don't you think? Hey, if you knew three months ago that this virus basically left young people alone, but was deadly to people over 70 and very deadly to people over 80, would you have a different opinion about the idea of shutting down Schools, in every restaurant and bar and shop in the country. And if you had a parent or a grandparent in a senior's home, maybe you would even go and pick them up and bring them back home or to the country cottage for the duration. Seriously, that would likely have saved lives and certainly saved jobs in this pandemic pandemonium. We need to investigate what happened to these seniors' homes. I think it's a lack of masks by staff staff working in various homes, living cramped together with other temporary foreign workers because they're cheap foreign laborers trying to make a go of it. I suspect that's what's going on. That's what happened in Alberta with those meat packing plants. There's nothing special at meat packing plants that makes them dangerous with this virus. It's not about the cattle or the beef. That's not where the virus comes from or what they actually do at these butcher shops. Again, it's temporary foreign workers who live jammed together bunkhouse style, Carpooling together in minibuses because they're saving money to send the money back to Somalia or wherever. There may be some hygiene issues, too. I don't know. They have different standards in Somalia. But I'm saying I predict that in the more honest histories of this crisis, we'll find out that it wasn't a pandemic in the usual sense of the term. It was actually quite a picky virus that chose government institutions to flourish where, well, the government was in charge of how things were, like airports where Canada let everyone in no matter what and still to this day doesn't do temperature checks. That's weird, eh? I see the grocery stores are now starting to do a quick non-invasive temperature check on people coming into the store. I think that's probably a good idea. It's voluntary. It's not a government thing. Probably isn't even necessary. It's probably two months too late. And grocery stores aren't actually the problem. Our open borders are the problem. To this day, we still don't take temperature at the airport from foreign arrivals. You know, Hong Kong is literally part of China, of course. It has a boundary between itself and the rest of China so they can stop travelers, but it's not even a border like an international border, and yet they guard that boundary, take people's temperatures, screen hard at that boundary. And so their death rate in Hong Kong was 1 200th of what it is here in Canada, as in we're 200 times more deadly here. And they don't do social distancing. Have you ever been to Hong Kong? or Tokyo, or Taipei. Those are extremely crowded cities, very dense, everyone living on top of each other in in apartments, everyone close to each other, in the streets, on the buses, in the subways. They couldn't social distance if they tried. There's not enough room. So instead, they just wear those cheap masks and get a new one every day. But like I say, Trudeau gave away all our masks to China. So the two things that Trudeau was supposed to do, Guard our borders and don't give away our masks to China are the two things he didn't do. He got wrong. They're the two things that would have saved thousands of lives, I think. And the one thing Trudeau loves to do, bring in cheap foreign laborers to undercut Canadian workers' salaries, to give a labor cost break to his friends in major corporations, many of which are foreign-owned, like Cargill and the JBS meatpacking plants. They're foreign-owned. What are you doing? And many seniors' homes in Canada are owned by China. Did you know that? So Trudeau's temporary foreign workers' were the super spreaders. So yeah, this wasn't a pandemic in the Greek root of that word, the etymology pan, meaning all, like panorama, and uh, demic from demos, meaning people, like democracy. Pandemic. No, it didn't affect all people. Mainly people that were put in dangerous institutions and put at risk because no one was guarding our borders, and no one is even now. But I tell you that we're past the worst of it. You'll recall all those charts of doom, those models that showed how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of deaths were going to happen and how we all had to be locked in our homes to flatten the curve. Now, the idea wasn't that flattening the curve would stop us from getting sick. The idea was to slow the rate of new people getting sickness, to spread it out over time so the hospitals wouldn't be overwhelmed all at once. The number of sick would be the same if you look at the graphs. It was just to pace that. That's what flatten the curves mean. The area of the curve, to speak mathematically, was the same. It's just instead of like that, it was like that. Well, look at this. Look what reality is. Not the worst case curve, not even the best case curve. A number so small, it surely ought to rebuke every public health official and epidemiologist who predicted the apocalypse. These are the people we entrusted all of society to and their models. And they couldn't have been more wrong. Now, thank goodness they were wrong. And I guess give them some slack. We had no idea how bad this disease was or could be because the Chinese Communist Party lies and lies about everything. This was their Chernobyl in a way. They were in cover-up mode. I don't doubt that a number, enormous number of people in China did die, much more than they admitted. I don't know. It could have been the same thing here, I guess, but it wasn't, thank God. But even the experts with their models didn't seem to believe it themselves. Here's Neil Ferguson, the British epidemiologist who was the voice of gloom and doom over there in the UK, but his work was cited globally as the terrifying reason to lock us all down. Even I referred to his work months ago at his Imperial College study showing how many people likely died in China, but he was wrong. Not just wrong, he apparently didn't even believe it himself. While he was hectoring the UK to stay at home and not to mix households, not to go outside, he was having a secret romantic affair with a married woman a mom, she would leave her household, leave her husband and kids behind, and go to his place for their trysts. So he obviously never really believed separate the household things himself. He, he loved being a celebrity these past two months. He loved how suddenly people listened to him, even politicians. He loved the power of telling a nation and the world, be locked up, and them doing it. But he never even really believed it himself, or at least he felt he was above following his own rules for his lover. That's worth remembering when we think about other so-called experts with their models telling us the world will end unless we, oh, I don't know, pay a carbon tax or stop using fossil fuels or whatever. That doom and gloom prediction says, look at the economic carnage from just two months of this. Imagine doing this permanently on purpose to save the world. Imagine how much pain and death that would cause. Uh, here's a sad but predictable story from British Columbia, because everyone cleared out the hospitals to make way for that wave of virus cases that never came, that spike. So many elective surgeries had to be postponed. I I know what an elective surgery is. It means something that's not an emergency. You choose to do it. But you leave something like that for a while, it becomes an emergency. Cataract surgery to see a hip replacement. Are those emergencies? They probably feel like they are to the person in question. How many cancer exams were missed because of the panic. So how many people don't know they have cancer It wasn't diagnosed? I guarantee you that more Canadians will have died from the shutdown of our normal health regimen than from the virus by the time this is done. And that doesn't even add in those who will die from poverty-inflicted causes from the Great Recession. Suicides alone will be in the hundreds. Add one more percent to the unemployment rolls in Canada, that's an additional 150 suicides per percentage. I think Canadians are done with the virus and we're done with the panic and the reaction, I think some people aren't. People who were given a surprise paid vacation. And by that, I mean people living in the unreality of government land. Government employees who get paid no matter what. And I include teachers in that. University professors, experts in things like transgenderism or whatever. All of the people who hector us, they're just taking a vacation. You think they were laid off? They were not laid off. Only the little people were. Waiters, waitresses, shopkeepers, barbers. Show me someone who wants the lockdown to continue, and I'll show you either a megalomaniac like Neil Ferguson and Theresa Tam, or a politician loving the limelight, or someone who's getting paid to watch Netflix all day because their government bureaucracy shut down. And then there's just the absurd policing. Like the mom who was arrested, handcuffed, and put in a police car, separated from her five-year-old daughter for the crime of going on a swing in a park.
1: He didn't want to hear it. He grabbed my arm, uh, took my backpack off, proceeded to put me in handcuffs, uh, separated me from my daughter. I was taken up to the police vehicle where a cop did a body search on me and it was very thorough and invasive. From there, they put me into the back of the cop car and I didn't even know where. My daughter was at that time. Uh, they went through all my things uh, against my will. We were separated for about 20 minutes. He called me an idiot and yelled in my face. They finally came back and um, released me from the car, took my handcuffs off, and gave me an $880 ticket.
0: Yeah, there has not been a single death in Canada of a child due to a coronavirus, let alone caught outside. Not one single case. I wonder if there's something to that, you know. In the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, doctors said that sunshine and fresh air were actually the most effective therapy of everything they tried, as opposed to being indoors with bad air, which just happens to describe seniors' homes, doesn't it? The opposite of which is parks and playgrounds, which our know-nothing experts told us was illegal. Yeah, no. I think people are pretty much done with all this. Uh, I like Ontario Premier Doug Ford, and I liked his late brother Rob Ford, the former Toronto mayor, even more. But Doug Ford has been enjoying the media praise a bit too much for acting like a mini-me to Trudeau. I think he started to like being praised by the Toronto Star. That never happened before. I think he forgot who he was. He certainly forgot who voted for him. And when normal people, Ford Nation, asked to go back to work, he called them yahoos. They gave us these three projections, elevated, probable, and lowest, and said, oh, we got to do everything we can to avoid this. Well, we got the hospital data. The hospital data didn't even come anywhere to their lowest predictions. So, what is the justified lockdown?
1: So obviously, you know, uh, the, the 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 reaction was was. Uh, Swift, and it was a blanket policy that we modelled off, off of a communist dictatorship. When the government says we, we didn't expect this and we didn't prepare, this is all a joke. Like this was obvious. The only three categories of population that must have been protected from the beginning is the elderly, the the prisons, and homeless. Those are the only three people that had to be protected from the beginning. But we we have violent offenders being released out of prisons and we have healthy people being confined to their homes. It makes no sense.
0: Yeah, no, Ford is listening to the ruling class, which he thinks he's part of now. The government union class, the class that's having the time of their lives right now. He likes to scold people lately. It's not a very Ford thing to do. It used to be more of a liberal thing to do. He told people not to go to their country cabins and cottages. Please, this long weekend, do not go to your cottage. Uh, We can't stress it enough. Well, what do you know? While Ford himself was calling anyone who wanted to go to the lake, names and insults, he himself sneaked away to his country home to inspect the plumbing, he said. Oh, is that what we're calling a weekend at the lake now? I I just got to go inspect some plumbing. That's probably what Neil Ferguson's mistress said, word for word. Come to think of it. Oh, I'm just going to check some plumbing, dear. Sure you are. No different than Justin Trudeau traveling to Quebec to visit his estranged wife, Sophie, Over the Easter long weekend to visit with the kids, no different than Scotland's public health officer doing the same, no different than New Zealand's health minister doing the same. If they don't actually follow the rules, what are you thinking? What do you expect, though? No one jets around more than a climate activist like Elizabeth May, the Green Party leader. She even flies on private jets these days. That must be nice. Global warming worrier Leonardo DiCaprio has private jets and private yachts, so you know They don't really mean it. They just love the moral preening and telling other people what to do and seeming very woke and all based on models from experts, experts like Greta. They want us to flatten the curve on carbon dioxide. Now we know that the only flattening that happens is to you and me. Yeah, no, I think we're all done now, don't you? I think we're going to go outside now and go to the park now and open up our stores now. I know some obedient types won't because we're a law-abiding people. Some of us are passive Some of us like being ruled. It's funny. When my friend Tommy Robinson was in solitary confinement, it got to him after a while, he told me. He told me he started to, in a way, love his cell, and he looked with some dread at seeing his family again. It gets into your head, he told me. I think some people like living as prisoners, but enough of us don't. We've let the Neil Ferguson's and the Teresa Tam's run things long enough, and they've failed. They're getting everything wrong. I think we're pretty much all done now. Don't you think? Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, of course, the political parties are considered the main actors in any election campaign. But in recent elections, there have been hundreds of so-called third-party campaigns, and they're disclosed By Elections Canada, which tracks their spending and other activities, hundreds of them, and by my own inspection, between 90 and 99 percent of them support parties of the left and do so explicitly. For example, Unifor, the union of journalists, explicitly spends its members' dues, journalists covering the election, their union dues are spent campaigning against the conservatives. That's just one egregious example. A more effective example would probably be that of the plethora of environmental extremist groups, including those funded by the United States, active in Vancouver and other parts of B.C. Groups like the the Dogwood Initiative and other extreme anti-oil and gas and anti-pipeline groups, they target ridings, they see, for example, which candidate has the greater likelihood of winning, the Liberal or the New Democrat, and then they throw their support behind The best choice to block the conservatives, the idea being to block oil and gas pipelines, very effective, and some would say these foreign-funded third-party groups were largely responsible for tipping seats in Trudeau's favor in B.C. in the 2015 election, again in 2019. That's all kosher, according to the government. In fact, groups like the David Suzuki Foundation, who do campaigns, simply Refuse to register, and that's fine too. But Elections Canada is quite busy investigating what they think is perhaps the most egregious uh, use of campaigning in the election. It's a group of volunteers who are pro-life who went out and dared to door knock for candidates that they supported. No multi-million-dollar operation, no partisan hacks like David Suzuki. Just pro-life volunteers with a group called Right Now, and Right Now is being investigated right now by Elections Canada. Right Now's co-founder, Scott Hayward, joins us now via Skype from Brandon, Manitoba. Scott, welcome to the show. Did I more or less accurately sum up your situation?
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Thanks for having me on, Ezra.
0: Well, it's a pleasure. So you registered with Elections Canada. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, we registered as a third party. Uh, with Elections Canada prior to uh, the issue of the writ, um, as was required by law that was, I think, recently uh, amended in the late spring of 2019, because we wanted to make sure that we weren't in contravention of any statute.
0: So you actually complied, unlike, say, for example, the David Suzuki Foundation, which simply refuses to even register, you registered. But it sounds like, if I'm reading the article in the National Post correctly, it's it's a story, by Peter Stockton. Let me just put it on the screen for a second. The story is called Anti-Abortion Group Investigated by Elections Canada for Providing Volunteers to 2019 Candidates. Um, it sounds like you really just mobilized volunteers. Did you spend a lot of money? Let me ask you that.
1: Uh, no, you can find, go to Elections Canada website and under uh, reports for third parties, you can see our report there. I would Argued that spending less than $10,000 over the rip period isn't spending very much money at all. And uh, we just make sure that uh, pro-lifers who want to see pro-life candidates being elected, how they could do that in the most effective way, of course, is door knocking. That's fairly universal, regardless of what political party is running in any election. And we told them how to do it, how door knocking works uh, from a universal perspective, not for a specific candidate in particular. And that if they were interested in door knocking for their local Winnable Pro-Life candidate, that we would connect them with them. And that was the end of uh, our involvement in in that regard. So we were just connecting pro-life people who wanted to door knock and volunteer for pro-life candidates with their local pro-life candidate.
0: So were those pro-life candidates, could they Uh, prospectively come from any party. If there was a liberal candidate who's pro-life, I don't know if that's even allowed anymore, but let's say such a thing existed, would you direct a pro-life volunteer to a pro-life liberal candidate?
1: Our uh, conditions for supporting a candidate is that they have to, uh, we we do an interview with all of them because we want to do our um, uh, due diligence on them. Uh, But the number one thing that we're looking for is, are you gonna vote for pro-life legislation in the next parliament? And if it were a, you know, Green Party candidate or a Liberal Party candidate or a Conservative Party candidate or whatever candidate uh, who said yes, and they passed that first test. Um, The second test that we look at is, is that candidate actually winnable? Does that candidate have a mathematical chance at winning the riding? And you can determine that by looking at, you know, different polling data at the time and things of this nature. And if those candidates met those two criteria, regardless of whatever political party they belong to, then, yeah, we would uh, send uh, volunteers to them from their local riding.
0: So that, frankly, sounds identical to what the environmentalist groups I mentioned did in B.C., to great effect. They chose between the NDP and the liberals uh, that typically tip things to the liberal category. But all they want to know is, are you going to be anti-oil and gas, anti-pipeline? And do you have a chance of winning? It sounds like you could have, frankly, just copied their rule book. <laughs> the difference is they have millions of dollars of foreign funding behind them, millions of dollars of Canadian funding too. You just spent less than ten grand. They have hundreds or thousands of people door knocking. I'm guessing you had maybe a few dozen. Uh, well
1: actually we actually had quite a few people uh, respond across the country. We had just over, or pardon me, just under a thousand people from across the country uh, door knocking for their local pro life candidates. Okay, well that's um,
0: impressive. So just under a thousand. Um, still, in the grand scheme of things, you know, 338 ridings in the country, a thousand distributed amongst them, so three door knockers on average uh, per riding, spending less than ten thousand dollars. It's a wonder that you even bothered to register. This is so minor and modest, but it's probably better to register than to not register. But you have then been summoned by Elections Canada's Election Commission for an interrogation, just like I was for writing my Lebrano's book. Have you received what what was the form of that summons? Have you answered it? Will you go to the interrogation? What are they demanding? Because when they sent me the letter, I almost couldn't believe it. Um, And I went and I actually videotaped my interrogation. What's your status?
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm a charter professional accountant. So I don't know what the proper legal terminology is. I don't know if summons is the correct term. Uh, But we were sent a letter from the commissioner's office for Elections Canada saying that there was an allegation made that we had contravened certain parts of the Canada Elections Act and that an investigation was uh, coming forth. And that uh, one of the results that could happen from that investigation, one of the conclusions could be the imposition of monetary penalties upon our organization. So like you said, Ezra... You know, we're, uh, we're a new organization. We were founded just over four years ago. We're relatively small. We only have two full-time staff because that's all we can afford. We, we don't have millions of dollars coming in uh, every year. You know, we're, we're lucky to get, you know, $200,000 coming in in a year. So we, we run on a very, very tight budget. Um, but, yeah, the letter was sent uh, mid-February. Um And we sent a letter back from our legal counsel uh, a few weeks later saying, you know, what exactly are these allegations? Can we see the allegations? Who made the allegations? What specifically is laid out in the allegations? And once we get that information, we're more than happy to cooperate and, and, and work with you on whatever information that you need. So we sent that letter back. Um, we also mentioned to them that, hey, you know, we're not the only organization out there um, that is helping certain candidates for ideological purposes. And we mentioned, you know, five different unions that were doing almost the same thing for uh, the NDP and in some cases the Liberals. And we asked, are you investigating them? Because they're essentially doing the same or similar thing. Um, haven't heard back on that. So they got back to us basically asking for the same thing Um toward the end of April, and we sent them a letter back saying, like, listen, you, you didn't answer any of our questions. We can't help you if you don't tell us what exactly it is that you need. So
0: you know, that's where it is You it's so right funny now. hearing you say that because I actually lived through that conversation. I hope you don't mind. Let me show you a clip from when, and it, maybe it was the same exact investigators. I don't know if you remember the name of the investigators, but I uh, have dealt with five different individuals over there. A couple of them were very senior former RCMP officers. It wouldn't surprise me if that's who they were sticking on you. And I had the exact same question. I said, "Can I see the complaint? What exactly did they say I did, and who was the complainant?" Let me just show you a clip. Forgive me, because this is your story about you, but I feel like I'm I'm uh, listening to myself ask the same questions. Here, take a look. Uh, can I see the complaint against me? The letter that you received? No. I presume that you're investigating oh, based complaint. on a complaint, yeah. Well, oh,
1: this is still part of the investigation, so we'll have to, uh, once the investigation's been uh, completed, um, the commission will have to make a decision, and at that point, she'll have to decide if, if that is releasable or not. It's not so something that usually is released, no.
0: So it's a secret complaint?
1: It's not a secret complaint. It's just a complaint that's part of the investigation, and to to, to keep the integrity of the investigation right now. Uh, you'll understand that we can't share everything that we have. As we oh, do I don't work.
0: want everything that you had. I just, if I'm here to meet a complaint, but you won't show me the complaint, how can I possibly meet the complaint? How can I possibly respond to something that you won't show me? Scott, I got to tell you, if you went to the Elections Canada high security office like I did in Quebec it would be that frustrating. You would ask questions. Can I see the complaint? Can I know? And they would stonewall you. They stonewalled me for an hour. Now, I understand you have a, a lawyer, um, Albertos Polizagopoulos, who I've worked with before. He's a very bright, very dedicated guy. Um, I'm glad you've lawyered up because these guys will trick you and trap you. What do you think the next step is? Um, if they're not gonna provide you with any information, um, are you just hunkering down and waiting for some ruling against you? What what's next?
1: Honestly, I don't know, Ezra. Um, you're right. We had to seek legal counsel. Um, I'm not a lawyer. You know, my colleague Alyssa isn't a lawyer, so we have a fiduciary responsibility to our board of directors, to our volunteers, to our donors to make sure that we get proper legal counsel, and uh, Albertos is an excellent lawyer with an excellent track record. So um, we, we we sought their proper legal counsel. What is going to happen next, I honestly don't know. The ball is in Elections uh, Canada's court. Um, you know, we had reached out to them back in the summer to make sure that we were about to engage in was, you know, in line with the latest version of the statute of the Canada Elections Act and things of this nature. Um, So I guess we're just waiting to hear back. Uh, Are they going to do an investigation? Are they going to have a ruling? I honestly don't know. Uh, But we're just uh, preparing for uh, any possible outcomes that might come from that.
0: You know, there is one key difference between what you did and what I did. I just wrote a book. (laughs) And of course, there is no way I would ever register with the government to write a book. I don't live in communist China or North Korea or Iran. We don't believe in registering to write a book. So I didn't, I never will. You did register and that's fine. I mean, you felt like you fit under the law. You did the right thing. You checked the boxes, you filled out the forms. So you actually complied, looks to me, but they're still interrogating you and have to, at least with me. I'm defiant. I'm uncooperative. I don't think I have to cooperate. I'm an author. But you actually follow the rules and they're still targeting you. Do you believe this is ideologically motivated? Do you think this is some sort of vendetta against pro-lifers?
1: I mean, it could be. I I don't know for sure. I don't have any hard evidence that it is 100% that that is the case. Uh, But it would be interesting if they do not open up investigations into maybe some of those unions that were helping candidates who um, probably happen to not be pro-life, being from uh, certain political parties. Uh, That would, to me, suggest that this is ideologically and politically motivated. Uh, But at this point, I, I simply don't have enough information to uh, make that stand. What we do know is that, like you had mentioned, we did our level best, uh, and we were did our, a reasonable um, we we did a reasonable amount of lay work to make sure that we were uh, compliant with the very new, I would say, uh, amendments to the act. Uh, We reached out to Elections Canada uh, prior to registering to make sure that everything was all right, that we were about to engage in was, in fact, uh, legally allowed. And we didn't hear anything throughout the election campaign and we didn't hear anything uh, for quite some time until after the election campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were quite surprised to receive that letter. So it will be interesting. Um, I I would not necessarily be surprised if it were politically or ideologically motivated, but I don't have enough information at this time to say Mm -hmm. that's 100 percent the case.
0: Well, let me say this. Uh, I'm glad you've got a lawyer. It's always a good idea to lawyer up when you're dealing with tricksters like the Liberal government. Um, I have not heard back from Elections Canada about my case in about three months, which tells me they're either moving at the speed of government or they're taking a break because of the virus or they don't want to go another round where they're being embarrassed in public. That could be it because the video I recorded of my session there when they were interrogating me that went viral. I would like to help you if you want the help, if you need the help. Maybe they're going to go away. Maybe. I think they're going to come for you because they see a young, mild-mannered fella in Brandon, Manitoba, and they say, easy pickings. No offense. You're such, you come across as such a nice guy, they think, oh, we can tune this guy up. You got a lawyer with you, so that helps. But if you need help, either in crowdfunding to pay for your lawyer, or just in media coverage, please feel free to reach out. Because I believe that you've got to push back hard and not go submissively, because otherwise they'll just devour you. I think if you fought back, if the facts are as you say they are, I think that this is something that not only they will drop, but we could teach them a lesson and stop them from doing this abusive, punitive investigations of Trudeau's enemies list In the future, I think that's exactly what this is. It's an enemies list. They went after my book. They went after your volunteer door knockers. I see a pattern. Will you let me know if we can be of any help in the future, either through crowdfunding or through giving you more publicity? Ezra,
1: I really appreciate, first off, the kind words (laughs) that you think, first, that I'm young and mild-mannered. Um, I might have some uh, people in my past who might disagree with you on that, but you think so, so that's good enough for me. And I appreciate the help, uh, whether it be uh, uh, crowdfunding for uh, paying for, their, you know, uh, our legal fees and any potential fines that might be imposed upon us. And who knows where this will go? It, it might go beyond um, the auspices of an administrative investigations within Elections Canada. So, as as this rolls out, like I said, right now in Elections Canada's court. Um, so we're just waiting for them to respond. But as it rolls out, um, yeah, we're more than happy to uh, accept help and work with people who are, are wanting to help us out with this particular case.
0: Well, for sure. I mean, today, yesterday it was my book. Today it's your pro-life door knockers. Tomorrow, who knows who it is. It's Trudeau turning the bureaucracy into his personal paramilitary squad going after his enemies. We won't let that happen. And by the way, I don't mean to be punctilious, but we would help you fight like hell. But we would never pay the fine because, to me, that's submitting. And uh, I know you—you you obviously have a fighting spirit. I appreciate your time today. I wish you so much good luck. Tell me the website of your organization so we can share it with our viewers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The organization's website is itstartsrightnow.ca. Um, if people out there are wanting to help us out um, with our with our legal fees and. Dealing with this issue with Elections Canada, you're more than welcome to uh, go to the Donate button. We have a big red button in the top right corner. Um, you can click on that. Uh, you can join up to receive um, you know, information from us. Uh, of course, we're involved in uh, elections federally and provincially. Uh, right now, there is the Conservative Party of Canada leadership race. And as of taping, we have a week left to go to sell memberships in order to be eligible to vote in that leadership race. So we're helping pro-lifers do that. Um, who knows if we'll get investigated for that or not Um, but as far as I know we're in compliance with the act as it's written so anyways people can visit our website and we're on Facebook Twitter Instagram um, and feel free to reach out to us you know send us a note or whatever it's interesting Ezra um, we sent out an email uh, a few minutes ago and already I'm just looking at my phone we have someone who had reached back to us saying you know I'm really happy that I'm I'm a Green Party supporter and pro-life and I'm really happy you're getting investigated by Elections Canada, not because I want bad things for you, but because that obviously means that you're really effective. Hmm. Um, And so it's interesting that we got a Green Party supporter because that is a a leadership race that we're also uh, looking into because there are a lot of people who are pro-life that belong to the Green Party. And um, I mean, you can mention that earlier, we're a nonpartisan organization. We just want to make sure we advance the pro-life issue um, in the House of Commons, in our provincial legislatures, regardless of political affiliation.
0: Well, that's a perfect note to end on, and it proves the point uh, that you are indeed nonpartisan. But of course, even if you were partisan, you registered, you complied. I mean, Unifor, uh, the journalist union, couldn't be more partisan. They despise conservatives. They certainly haven't been investigated because they're Trudeau's errand boys. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure to meet you, Scott Hayward, the co-founder of Right Now. Good luck, and please keep in touch with us if we can help.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. All right. Our pleasure.
0: There you have it. Stay with us. More ahead on The road. <laughs> on my monologue yesterday about a Texas judge who sent a salon owner to prison, Paul writes, this is how the left rolls. Elitist, entitled, power hungry goons. That judge needs to be removed from the bench. He's not a judge. He's a political stooge. You know what, I think all judges are political to some degree. Um, at least in the modern era, they get appointed by political parties, usually based on some political partisan check. In Canada, the Liberal Party doesn't even hide that. They check donors. They check what lawyers and law firms donate to the uh, Liberal Party before they make appointments. Um, so we're no better up here than they are down there, but what they're better at down there is they call out their judges for their politics. I'm not saying that there aren't some amazing judges who are above politics. But both countries have partisans. The difference is they try and hold those politically accountable. They even elect some judges down there. You know, I'm not that opposed to that idea when I see some of the crazy rulings. Bruce writes, I'm shocked that this happened in Texas. At least the only didn't give a groveling apology. Yeah, you're talking about um, Miss Luther again, who... Shelley Luther, I, I think she was so courageous and so articulate. I would not have been that polite, I tell you that. Uh, good for her. I think she really is a symbol of people just done with this overreaction, don't you? On my interview with Dave Rubin about his book, Don't Burn This Book, Troy writes, i mean, becoming a Rebel and Rubin fan. Now having watched the two of you speaking together, I'm hooked. Great job. Well, that's nice to say. You know, I've never really interacted with him directly before, but we've sort of orbited each other a little bit. It was nice to finally connect with him. William writes, Dave Rubin is a great liberal. He gets close to the classical meaning of the word. Thanks for interviewing him for a change. Well, it's funny you say that, because on Monday, well, we have hired sort of a House liberal here at Rebel News who will start working with us. I'll wait till Monday to tell you who it is, but I'm sort of excited. And what I'm excited about is having a liberal who doesn't believe in deplatforming or shouting or name-calling, but rather who engages on the substance that used to be commonplace when I was a kid. It happens pretty rarely these days. Well, I'll tell you more on Monday. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home. Good night. Keep fighting for freedom.